What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Rant. Oh! A jawbreaker! Curry with a drive. Blocked by Jackson. Bain. Step back three. Bingo! back to the latest episode of the Core 4 Podcast. I'm your host, Xavier Dotson, and I'm here with my co-host, David Buckler and Matthew Gill. And we're coming back from the All-Star break. Today is Tuesday, February 21st. And yeah, it's no games going on. No games until Thursday, sadly. But we had two All-Stars from the Grizzlies to be in Salt Lake City of John Morant and Jaron Jackson. Um... A lot can sort of be said from the All-Star game. A lot of people feel like it's boring nowadays. Um, some people feel like it is entertaining because it's, it's a lot of scoring going on. But um, how's everybody? I'm just going to do a quick come through of like, how's everybody feeling about the season so far? How are you feeling about the season uh, with the All-Star game and remaining 25 games, Matt? I think it was a really needed break for this team. Like they came in kind of white knuckling the steering wheel going into the break. They get that win over Utah, which I think was much needed, but it was a tough January. Honestly, there was a lot of up and down moments. Um, And we'll see how they look coming out of the break. Two really tough games right out of the all-star break against Philly and Denver. I think that's going to be a really good litmus test for how they feel and how, how much they are rejuvenated by that break. I think it'll be a good um, marking point of they they can either improve and turn this whole season around and get back to where they were into December, start of January of being one of the best teams in the NBA, or they can continue to struggle coming out of this all-star break. And maybe we'll think back to that moment and say, that was, that was a real critical point for them where they could have turned it on and they just didn't have it. So I hope that they took this time and rested up and got, and got right, and we see a whole different Grizzlies team coming out of this break. Yeah, uh, Dave, I know you've been sort of on a – you was wanting the Grizzlies to make like a trade, um, and they didn't – well, they made a small little trade. They got Luke Kennard. Are you feeling a little bit of a relief that the Grizzlies have a break? had a, a long break and that they can find their groove heading back to finish the rest of the season? It's, it's been tough not to have any games to watch. I, I I was grouchy, right, for a while because I did want them to make a trade. And I, and I wanted to see the Grizzlies put their best foot forward to hopefully contend for a championship this year. And uh, But more than anything, I miss watching them play. And so I, I'm excited to get back, as Matt mentioned, I mean, Thursday at Philly, Saturday home, Denver. And then we have the Lakers coming in then on Tuesday. So a very interesting week coming up, and I just missed watching them, Xavier. I'm, I'm glad the team will be back soon. Uh, in terms of how do I feel about them, I just think it's kind of nice to take a deep breath and have Luke Kennard get some practices under his belt, and maybe the coaching staff also to, to sort of reset a little bit. I think during the season, what you hear a lot is not a lot of practice time, 
And, you know, I heard a really, really interesting interview with a, a former San Antonio Spurs coach. He was talking about, you know, during the playoffs, all the coaches are focused on one team. And during the, you know, and so they can make really small, minute, important changes to game plans and defensive rotations, things like that. But in the regular season, it's like, you know, here we got, you know, here we got Philly Thursday. We got to do a quick game plan. Then we got to turn around and we had Denver Saturday. So it, the, the season just moves so fast, I think, for the entire organization. It's nice to take a deep breath here. What do we have, 25 games left? And they're pretty important, 25 games, to find some kind of rhythm going into the playoffs. Yeah, we'll talk a lot later about Grizzlies' focus and what should they remain focus on for those last 25 games. But heading to our first segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the All-Star Weekend. So All-Star Weekend at Utah came and went, and like I said earlier, it's been a love with a lot of mixed reviews. Players not trying their hardest. A lot of people people spending millions, I mean, not millions, but thousands and thousands of dollars to go see these players play at, at the biggest game, basically. For, uh, for the regular season to see all their favorite players and stars to play in an exhibition game. And you could just tell that they're, uh, the players' effort isn't there. Dave, do you feel that the All-Star Weekend is sort of falling apart, or do you think that it's still capable of making a strong comeback and people can actually – the fans can actually enjoy it once again? I just think that's a really complicated question. There's no simple answer, but I will say this. There were moments this past weekend that it sort of takes your breath away, the amount of talent on the court. Like when they do the player introductions, it's like, oh my God, like these are literally the best players on the planet. And, and I love seeing like the uh, legends, for example, sitting in the crowd, you know, it's like, wow, the, the sheer history there is great and, and they show highlights of the previous dunk contest and they show highlights of the previous three-point shoot so the history of the event I absolutely love and there were moments Xavier that I, I did really appreciate this past weekend but I will say that I the game was awful in my opinion I need some element of competition and I have been fortunate to um, go to a lot of sporting events in my life I've never been to All-Star Weekend and next year it's in Indianapolis where one of my best friends lives and I was thinking of going because I'd just like to be a part of it. And I came away this past weekend thinking, I'm not spending the money to go. You mentioned the cost of it. I mean, the, the cost of the game ticket itself is ridiculous. And I, there wasn't anything this past weekend that made me feel like, God, I, I can't believe I missed that in person. Yeah, and I've always been a big advocate. I want the alls. I used to talk about how, how important it would be for Memphis to have an all-star weekend here. At, at some point, but if the players aren't going to bring the energy and people are going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars, I understand, yes, it'll be a big uh, economic boost to Memphis and those smaller markets, but it's still about the fans at the end of the day. Matt, do you feel like that the All-Star game is sort of becoming like the Pro Bowl treatment of the NFL, you know, that not too many people care about the Pro Bowl anymore, like it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, and honestly, I think that they could maybe learn something from what the NFL did this year. I know nobody cares about the flag football. They don't want to do it that way. But if the players aren't going to care about this format, how it is right now, let's shake it up a little bit. I'm all for reinventing. Try it for one year. It's, it doesn't have to be a lifelong thing. But I think 
something and, and you can take a little bit from the NHL All-Star game too. I think a three-on-three tournament is something that could be really interesting. The two most, you know, exciting moments, storylines, whatever plays from the All-Star game were Ja going at Jaron and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, Tatum trading buckets. I think that you can increase that value, have a little bit more of a one-on-one aspect of it, of these teammates who want to one-up each other and want to play really well against each other. And I think a three-on-three setup could be really fun. You can move the rosters out to 15 all-stars uh, and have, you know, five – the you know, the top five vote-getters are now team captains. And then the, the second five most voted-for players are the first-round um, picks and 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 you go through it that way. I think it's worth trying for one year. Just see if something different reignites it and makes it a little bit more competitive. And you can make it a tournament style deal, similar to what they did with the Rising Stars. And I think the other thing too, to to, to you know, moving away from the game itself, and you look at the dunk contest, and a lot has been made about. Well, none of the, the famous guys do it anymore. And shout out my guy, Mac McClung. I, as I told you guys, he's from Gate City, Virginia, which is right down the road. I saw him play in high school. Some of the best we've seen in a long time. And, and one of the biggest factors was that he did them all on his first try. So I think mm-hmm. Mac deserves some, some credit there. He did put on a really good show. But if we want some of the top-level talent, if we want to see guys like LeBron and Zion and Ja, who said he would never do it, to consider it, we have to figure out some other way to incentivize. And Mac McClung literally doubled his, you know, career earnings from a hundred thousand that he made as a player to winning a hundred thousand at the dunk contest. Like no star is going to do that. And I think the way that they can incentivize this is you have to either look at contract incentives. So something like either guys who win it either get an extra can are eligible for an extra year in free agency. Um, or, or, you know, for getting re-signed, whatever it may be, something with a contract. Here's another thing that I think is really could be really fun and, and a way to incentivize guys to, to make the dunk contest itself more competitive. And you could, you know, play around with it with the MVP award in the game itself too. But some kind of the, – the thing that's going to incentivize the top-level talent is, is make it easier for them to win a title. An idea I had was if you – give like a 10% discount. Let's say Ja wins the dunk contest and the Grizzlies get a 10% discount on his contract towards the cap. Well, that maybe could pay for another really good player in the, in the buyout market or it could be a trade exception, something like that. They have to get more creative with how they're going to incentivize this. Or as Xavier said, fans are going to stop caring altogether because it's getting ridiculous. It's it's a tough watch. It's not any fun anymore. Um, it's it's not that the game was not exciting, in my opinion. It's that it's non-competitive. They have to figure out how to make it competitive. And in things like the dunk contest in particular, get their best talent out there. Well, that, that leads me to the question of this. Why does it have to be – why does players have to have an, a certain incentive for them to try hard? Uh, if you look back 20 years ago, Kobe Bryant and, and, and Allen Iverson and all those guys, they were playing a hard out at those all-star games in the early 2000s. And you look at their interviews, they talk about, like, we're we're coming to play every game and trying our hardest because there's some fan out there. This is going to be their only time seeing them play. I feel like at the end of the day, like, it shouldn't be a specific incentive for you to go out there and play your hardest, especially at the all-star game. I understand it is the all-star game and you, you want to lay back, but it's it costs a lot more to, to – to go to an all-star game than any other regular season game and, and shoot even some playoff games, to be exact. 
I mean, Xavier, the disappointing thing is if these guys went out there to win that game, it would be breathtaking, right? To see to see these rosters play at the top level and to give everything they had in this game, it would be like the highlight of the year to see these guys. I, I, I didn't. I got a couple other comments I want to share with you. I didn't care for the draft right before the game. I thought that took forever. It just dragged it out. It wasn't exciting to me. But but I. I think it's very interesting we're talking about the competitiveness of the game. I've had friends of mine that say, why do you go to the summer league every year and go see those exhibition games? I'm going to tell you, those kids in the summer league, now not not the, the Zion Williamson, not the top picks, in the, you know, but there's a lot of kids playing in that summer league that are playing for their jobs, whether it's in the NBA or overseas or somewhere. And those games are competitive to the end, and they're really exciting. And so it's really funny. If the, the impression is, why do you go to the summer league for that why would you go to the all-star game for that? I, I don't understand it at all. I did want to say one thing also about the competitiveness. We're supposed to throw away. It's just, it's just an exhibit. Kyrie Irving played 29 minutes and scored 32 points. Why did he play so much? Forcing a trade from the Nets, all the stuff he's done the last year. And then on this big showcase Sunday night game, they roll him out there for 29 minutes and Jaron plays eight. I, so I'm on, and what I will say, notice who the, the coach for that one team was, Mike Malone, and he played the Kings players. The Kings players played a total of 21 minutes, and the Grizzly players played a total of 28 minutes. And I don't know, I thought it was kind of funny. I I, I just, you know, being the Denver, the Denver coach, he didn't showcase some of the guys that are close to the Denver Nuggets in the standings. I, I, I thought of the minutes distribution was ridiculous. Yeah, you say that about the minutes thing. That goes back to like a, a, a story that Kobe Bryant was telling me about. I mean, I said telling me about uh, a story <laughs> I heard about. Uh, he was saying that basically, I think it was the 98 All-Star game in which that was his first All-Star game, I believe. Yes, it was his first All-Star game. It was 97 or 98. And it was George Carl, the All-Star. He was the All-Star coach. And he didn't play him the second half at all. And basically, he used that as motivation and fire. Every time he played against a George Carl team, he was going to kick his tail. So hopefully, Jaron Jackson uses his motivation going into the game against Denver this upcoming week, which should be equal. It People, our fans are coming to see the best players. This is the best group of players of that specific season to play in a, a strong exhibition game. And I understand, yes, you don't want to take the risk of being injured. You don't want to take the risk of, you know, yeah, spraining an ankle or whatnot. But at the same time, there's so many fans that's playing so much dedicated money to see you guys play. You really think about it, the all, it was the 10 initial all-star starters that was voted as all-star starters. It was only really three of them that played. Giannis doesn't really even count. He only played two minutes. And it's, it's, just, it's really becoming ridiculous now. Well, Kyrie's an eight-time All-Star. He was the 2014 MVP. How about a little self-awareness, Kyrie? We don't need 29 minutes of you in this game. Maybe you can give De'Aaron Fox a little more run. Go to the coaches and say, hey, maybe Jaron can play. You know, whatever. I mean, it's just like the guy's an eight-time All-Star and, you know, does nothing but cause headaches to every coach he's had now and the teammates can't stand him half the time. And, and you hear, you know, oh, good, good, 32 for you, Kyrie, Sunday night, congratulations. That, that, that irritated me because some of these young kids that would have been fun to watch, if we don't care about the winning, if we don't care about the competition, then I would have liked some of the younger kids of Fox played, what, six minutes, something like that? Ridiculous. 
Salty Dave back. Uh, I want to add, I want to I wanna push back a little bit. I think it's a little bit related to kind of the legacy spots we talked about uh, on the last show where you guys were saying, you know, Paul George doesn't deserve to be there just because he's always been there or, or whoever it may be. I think it's I think it's similar. The idea being, yeah, Kyrie is an eight-time All-Star. And De'Aaron Fox, John Morant, Jaron Jackson, in theory, should be there the next 10 years, where we may only have two or three more good all-star games, years, whatever, out of Kyrie Irving. So I'm okay with it. Let Kyrie go out there and cook for 32. It's fine by me. I am also a little bit of a Kyrie defender. Not what he says. I want to, I want to make that clear. Not a fan of all the stuff he says. But, God, he's fun to watch play basketball. I think he's perfectly built for an all-star game for sure. And I think – the idea is that when those guys have been around the league and have been eight, 10 time all-stars, you know, then they deserve to play 30, 25 minutes. And there'll be new young guys that will be saying the same thing about let the new guys get in there and play, but I'm all right with it. I, I didn't have a big concern with the minutes aspect of it. Yeah. Um, again, no, it's just still, it's crazy to see the all-star game like this though. It, it was something I highlight that I you circle for the whole weekend as a kid to watch. And that was basically become un, unwatchable. One last point uh, I'd like to make about the All-Star game. I do think All-Star appearances or, or at least All-Star selections are important to legacies. You know, when we talk about Jordan, you know, it's a 14-time All-Star. That kind of conversation I do think is important. Jaron Jackson Jr. can always for the rest of his career not say he was an All-Star. And, and I do think that is important. Whatever they do for the All-Star weekend, whatever they work out, you know, play horse or three-on-three three or half-court shots or, you know, however they improve the game, to, to say that you were an All-Star should still mean an awful lot. And I, I hope it does to these guys. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, now shifting to the Grizzly focus. We're going to talk a little bit about the Grizzlies for the remaining of the season. The Grizzlies are currently second in the West with 25 games remaining. Dave, you talked about in previous episodes uh, how important the Grizzlies to have home court heading towards the playoffs. Should that be the Grizzlies' primary focus for these last 25 games? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, because they're certainly not going to get home court in the Western Conference. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not even confident they're going to finish as the two seed. So I did not put that on my list here when you sent out the topics for today. What I what I think, uh, Xavier, is I think the biggest, biggest thing we need to establish over the next 25 games is stability. Stability in the rotations. Everyone knowing their role. What's it going to look like when we get to the playoffs? That leads to confidence. And as long as we have our health, which hangs over everything, I think we have a chance to, to do something special. Uh, I was more excited about the home. I think home court's important, we, no no question. But uh, I, I feel like because of the trade with Kennard, some of the injuries in and out for the first half, I just more than anything else, can we just see what this team looks like over the last 25 games with some stability that might be able to overcome? We talk about role players don't always play as well on the road. If we can have some stability, get their confidence rolling, 
maybe we have enough talent that we can overcome a game seven on the road. Yeah, a big thing about the Grizzlies has been, can they be stable? Can everybody get healthy? And what would they look like with everybody healthy? Matt, are you feeling any woes? Like Dave sort of just dropped the bomb saying that he doesn't feel that the Grizzlies can remain a second seed in the West. Are you feeling comfortable that the Grizzlies can remain the second seed in the West? Or, or, or what should they focus on most for these last 25 games? Yeah, I'll start with what Dave said. I, I'm kind of with him. I'm not – if I had to place a bet on it, if they're going to be a two seed or they're going to be less, I would take that they're going to be lower than a two seed. Honestly, I think that the, the Kings have a really good opportunity to take that spot from them. Um, you know, we still need to see what Phoenix is going to be. Uh, they're still going to have a bunch of matchups with Dallas. So there's an opportunity for them to fall out, and, and especially with um, – like we said, it's, it really depends on how they're going to start – coming out of the all-star break, I think really out of those first couple of games, what they need to focus on. I can't, I kind of came up with a slogan for them here, uh, what they need to focus on at the end of the year here. And the slogan is finish strong. And it's not just the entire season I'm talking about. It's individual games. They need to figure out how to close out these games and win tight ball games. They have to get the free throw numbers up. That is not, that is not something that's going to be sustainable for them to win playoff series. They have to figure out how to put teams away when they have a five-point lead going into the final two minutes. They have to figure out how to play from behind and win against teams who are much better and have better team chemistry and been playing together a lot longer, like Golden State. They have to figure out how to win these games tight during the end of this regular season because that's how they're going to be successful in the postseason. I feel I still feel confident enough that we can finish a top three seed in the West, at least. A top three seed in the West. Um I just really feel like when we get Adams back, it will help a lot of things. But at the same time, it's been we've been exposed to a lot. A lot of teams sees our can see our flaws since Adams has been out, and we're showing that we're still a young team. That's, that's a great point from both you guys. Uh, it, it's going to be very, very interesting these last twenty-five games. And you do feel sort of like we're locked into that two seed when you see like Sacramento hasn't really made that push to try to, you know, they're five and five in their last 10, you know, and, and no one seems to be like putting it all together. Although these teams like the Clippers, Suns, Mavericks, et cetera, have made trades. The team that just scares me, if we stay number two and Golden State gets that seven seed, that's a really, really difficult first round series for us. It would, wouldn't it be nice guys if we do stay number two and get New Orleans or Minnesota or the Thunder? I mean, I, you know, not no disrespect to the talent of those teams, but I think the emotion of playing Golden State could distract us. It'd be nice not to have to see them right away. Uh, yeah, most definitely, because, I mean, it's been always high emotions playing against Golden State, and, it, and that's, a, that's most likely going to be a six, seven-game series if the team that we're seeing right now of the Grizzlies face them in the playoffs. We know that's, that's going to be a battle, and that's – too, too brutal of a whooping for you to make a path down to the finals, uh, playing six or seven games, and then turn around and might have to play, you know, uh, Sacramento or, or the Clippers or Phoenix the second round, and then have to play maybe Denver in the third round. So I, I do feel like at, the, at, at a point, maybe dropping down does sound good, but the home court advantage is such a huge thing in the West right now. You really look at, at records, the only team that has like a significant standout record on, on the on the way in the West 
is the Clippers and Sacramento, and they're really just two to three games above that. Um, it's you, you. It's hard to win on on the road in the West, regardless. And I feel like it's going to be the exact same way in the playoffs. Well, what I wanted to ask you guys was very interesting. So a lot of these teams made changes at the deadline, right? Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And and and, and do you guys see that when Luca and Kyrie kind of played hot potato with it at the end of that Mavericks game, uh, where they couldn't get a shot off the other night and they they lost. And it was very evident they're they're still figuring it out, right? So it is going to be interesting how these teams figure this out sort of quickly. We talked about this. You guys had really good points about making trades in the middle of the season and how it does take a while to get guys integrated and get rotation set. And it was very interesting to watch two of the best offensive players in the world sort of struggle to get a shot off at the end of the game. Uh, I think they're going to be fine, but but some of these teams have work to do over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, a lot of people forget that 2011 season for the Miami Heat, everybody thought that they was going to win that championship because they got LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. They had problems figuring out who team is this. Is this LeBron James' team or is this Dwayne Wade's team? Let's look at the Suns. They have Kevin Durant, which is really still a top five player in the league. And Devin Booker, he's personally a top 15 I, I 15 to 10 player in the league. At the end of the day, KD has not played with Book yet. And you still got Chris Paul as well, who's a great facilitator, and he's a great clutch scorer. Who are you going to give the ball to at those crucial moments, especially in the playoffs game? Because there's going to be crucial moments. So the 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 Suns, the they have a lot to figure out. Same thing with the Clippers as well. They just picked up Russell Westbrook yesterday. Matt, Matt how are you feeling about that? Well, I want to make the the distinction like that. You're right. The Heat had a, a really hard time integrating, and that team got put together in the preseason. Like that was not a midseason deal. Phoenix has 20 games to figure it out. Mavericks, same thing. Like they have a very limited amount of time before they're going to figure out who is the the main guy. And I am with you. I put I would put Devin Booker top 10. Honestly, he's been awesome. He's so sick. He's such a good player. And uh, yes. The West is incredibly difficult, man, and it's really hard to win on the road, especially, like you said. Um, and, yeah, yeah, you, you pointed out the the uh, Russell Westbrook edition as well. So, I mean, that means teams four through six, they all have new guys who are likely going to be in their starting lineup come playoff time, and they'll have to figure out how they're going to um, split out, uh, split up, especially those closing minutes. Uh, the last thing I want to point out, though, when we kind of started getting on to the Sacramento scent, when me and Xavier figured out they were going to be pretty good, Xavier has been a big believer in them all year long. And I pointed out, man, they're home. They don't have a home court advantage. I was dead wrong, man. That Sacramento, they, they get fired up for the Kings, dude. They are lighting the beam. They're hooting and hollering, dude. They have a fun time. They're screaming for Keegan Murray every time he puts up a shot. That's another That's another tough place to play. Like, the Clippers maybe are the only team that doesn't have a good home court advantage now that, that that's really standing in the way of Memphis um, winning the title, you know, and having to win games on the road there. But, yeah, I mean, even Sacramento now has the added advantage of having a good home environment. It's going to be tough to win on the road in the West. Okay, roll into our next segment. We got to do a little all-star trophy case segment. And um, it should be interesting because the all-star game, we all have our own feelings about the all-star game. So, Matt, why don't you you, you spit fire first? Who do you have in your trophy case segment for the all-stars? Yeah, only, only one for me this week. I actually am going to focus on the dunk contest. Obviously, I paid a lot more attention to that um, with Mag being in there. And, and this award – 
I wasn't hundred percent sure what to call it. This is where I landed. This is the Nick Sirianni award for being super corny and it backfiring because you lost. <laughs> and that goes to Jericho Sims, man. It was a pretty good dunk, but yeah, the hanging on the rim with the elbow in and then coming off and like fumbling with the paper to show that he made a 50 or whatever. It was a tough look. It was not great. And very similar to Nick Sirianni, like you see all the weird press conferences with him when he came to the Eagles and he's crying at the national anthem and all that stuff's well and good if you win. But if you lose, people will let you hear about it. I will give credit to Jericho Sims, though. He did have a great Instagram post where he said, don't feel bad for me. I'm doing just fine. And he's drinking on the beach somewhere, probably in Mexico. So he's doing fine. But yeah, he is the winner of my Nick Sirianni award for being super corny and losing. Um, that goes to Jericho Sims, and that's my all-star trophy case for this week. You know, it, I liked the idea if McClung would have done that and opened it up and it was an NBA contract or something that, like that. That would have been good. That would have been yeah, a great route. there, right? There's something yeah. – like it was kind of unique, and then, but, yeah, but not being able to get it out of the net and ripped and – Yep. Yeah, it was a tough look. All right, Dave, who, who do you have on your trophy case? Do you have any this week? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I got I got two here, guys. And my first one, uh, it's the new Coke Award of an idea or a concept that just is not has not aged well. I don't know if you remember back in 1985. I think I'm a little bit older than you guys, but <laughs> Coca-Cola introduced new Coke. And let me go with the what the tagline here was. Here's why they did it. It was supposed to be smoother, rounder, yet bolder, and a more harmonious flavor of Coke. And it was an absolute disaster. It was just the worst. It's, it's one of the worst marketing blunders of all time. Didn't age well. And this is going to go to the Joker. And I'm going to tell you why. Because he is apparently the clear leader now to win his third straight MVP award, which I'm telling you over time is not going to age well. By the way, guys, 20 minutes of action in the All-Star game, four points. <laughs> This guy's the three-time MVP. He was a minus 16 plus or minus. Now, let's not get too crazy in the stats, except, all right, what was the last three-time MVP? Oh, it was Larry Bird, 84, 85, 86. Here's his numbers in the All-Star game. 16 and 7, 21 and 8, 23 and 8. Ah, that's all right, it's Larry Bird. You're, I'm a Larry Fam, an apologist. Well, okay, let's go to Michael Jordan, a 14-time All-Star, right? Oh, he 40, 28, 17, 26, 18, 30, 20. He was three-time All-Star game MVP, 1997 uh, triple-double in the All-Star game. Joker had four points. This guy's going to be the three-time MVP. I'll tell you, if the Nuggets don't at least go to the Western Conference Finals, this is going to be the new Coke Award for a long time for the Joker that's just not going to age well. I like him, but but you mentioned this, Xavier, too. A lot of the starters, I mean, Greek Freak played, what, two minutes? Durant didn't play. Steph Curry didn't play. And this would have been a nice showcase for Joker to put, like, 40 up. Tatum at 55. How about Embiid? 32. These are the guys mentioned in the same breath as like potential league MVPs. And this, oh, it's just great seeing Joker. So like lackadaisical about it. You know, he wasn't really that at four points. This is the all-star. If you're, if you're not going to play defense and you got to just go out there and like, what was the final score? 184 to 175. And the three-time MVP is going to have four points. Not, not enough for me. I hated, I hated new Coke and I didn't, I'm not, I'm, I'm off the Joker train right now. I did have one more uh, for you, Xavier, if I could. And no, 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 not that I gave it too much thought today. I think I had a little more extra time at work. But <laughs> let me say this. I got, I got one other All-Star Weekend Award. It's called the Rocky Five Award. I'm giving this one out to Russell Westbrook because 
but he has just ruined a good thing. I mean, if you if you're Rocky fans at all, the first four, I I could watch them all day every day. Rocky Five, what what was they should have the the, the, the storyline of Rocky Five writes itself. He gives up the title to go fight the Russian in the exhibition match of Rocky Four. Rocky Five, he's supposed to get his rematch to win the title back. They totally ruined the movie. The Don King character's terrible. Tommy Morrison's terrible. The whole movie's awful. Russell Westbrook has no idea what he is. And it's really a shame that he's ruined in a lot of people's minds an excellent career. And, and now, you know, instead of embracing a bench role and really being a valuable contributor, which sort of seemed like it on the Lakers, except I guess like the personalities didn't didn't vibe or whatever. Now he's going to go to the Clippers and this is going to work. I, I have no I don't have any understanding why the Clippers are doing this. The team, I think, has some, some good talent. But I sort of like guys when Vince Carter sort of transitioned later. Remember he came to the Grizzlies? He was a good bench player for Memphis. And I feel like Russell Westbrook's like Rocky Five. He's like ruining the whole Westbrook legacy here. And it's really a shame. He was fun to watch for a lot of years. So I, I was excited to talk to you guys today because the All-Star game got me fired up this weekend. I can I was- tell. One second, Xavier. If I could add, I, I'm with you. Uh, I've always been a Russell Westbrook guy. He was definitely my favorite Grizzly until Jokic kind of came on the scene, and now he is my favorite non-Grizzly. Uh, excuse me. And I've always loved Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he has no idea where he's at right now. I, I love the new Coke Award, but you lost me on that uh, the uh, the All Star Game defense of it. But you are right. If he, if they come up short, then yes, that is going to age very poorly. I'm with. I'm you. just Those saying. I'm just saying, Matt. Everyone in the All Star Game on Sunday night scoring 30, 35 points a game, and this guy, you know, like I said, back when I was going, to, I don't want to be one of those get off my lawn guys. But back when I was growing up, the best players played the best in the All Star Game. Go look at the statistics. Go look at Jordan's numbers. He never scored two points in the All-Star game on an MVP season. They showed up to win. Xavier mentioned it earlier. Why do they need incentive to play hard? I mean, this would have been a great showcase for Joker to come out and score 35. Get it. He's averaging the triple-double. They don't even play defense. You know, and I don't know. It was kind of like – it was kind of a no-show. And it was – like, and this guy's going to walk off with, you know, three MVP awards and a team that's like – Super average team. I don't know. Not it's it's. I'm sorry, but I I'm gonna push back a little bit on it. I wanted to see a star on Sunday night, and I saw kind of a fart in church. No, I don't, okay, that that is fair. Something that's a total theory. But we talk about Giannis and we talk about Jokic. Those are two guys that maybe never watched an All Star game when they were growing up. That's possible, right? Like that 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 it may just not mean as much to them. That's a very good possibility. I also just don't think like Jokic's game is necessarily built for an all-star game. Like, yeah, he could have 20 assists if he wants to, but like it's it's built for guys like Jason Tatum who can run up and down the court, get ahead of whatever fake defense they play and lay it up or hit a three, whatever the case may be. I am with you. I I, I think you're dead on though. If we if especially if Philly makes it, then we're going to look back and, and Denver doesn't, you know, loses in the Western conference finals or doesn't even make it there. We're going to look back on that and say, man, we may have been wrong. Or Giannis may have a second title. And we're going to say, why did we keep thinking that this guy deserved to keep winning MVPs when he can't get it, get into the finals at all. I, I think you are dead right about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like that with Jokic, his game, the way that he plays, is just not meant for like the statistical, big box scores for the all-star game and then he always say talks about like he really doesn't care about the awards he really doesn't care what type of stats he bring out every single night but I don't know if he has you know that dog in him and like he was outplayed earlier this year by Joel Embiid so 
we we could really question it. Like, what is his like true basketball? Like, what really gets him fired up? I don't. We don't know. But I, I don't want to disagree with you, Dave. I feel like that's a good pickup for the Clippers for West Westbrook. I honestly do because he's back with a, a teammate that he played with for Paul George. And one big gap with the the Clippers is they that they don't have nobody to really orchestrate the offense or play in pace. I mean, Westbrook will be able to do that, and I feel like Tyloo is the the great coach to embrace him and put him on a leash and and control him because Tyloo he does not play any games. But, and I hope you're right. I, I hope yeah. you're right. And, and I I, I kind of like the signing too. If Westbrook embraces what he can bring to the team, and not that he should be dribble, 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 dribble the whole game. If he just because I agree with you, I think he does bring some nice pace to the Clippers. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. But but for my All Star Trophy case, going back to the Trophy case, I got two. All right. First one. White man can jump. Matt McClellan. <laughs> <laughs> My boy, Matt McClung, man, like, that was a great, great dunk contest. You know, I haven't seen, like, a good put-on great con- dunk contest since 2016, and that was Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. That, and that set the ball, like, truly, truly high. And since then, since then, it's just been going downhill, downhill, downhill. And everybody been thinking, like, should we really replace the, uh, the dunk contest? Because that used to be the, the staple point of All-Star Weekend, really, like, the big thing. And, like, like you was talking about earlier, Matt, he did all of his dunks on one attempt. And one try, those, yeah. those were some spectacular dunks and dunks that, like, you really haven't seen. And I'm like, wow, yeah, this white man can jump. All right. Did you – what was your favorite? Uh, the – what is it? People – I feel like that was the, the five – I feel like that was a 540. The yeah. 540 dunk. That was ridiculous. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I, I I liked the one where he jumped over the dude and double pumped and then went over his head. That, that was probably my personal favorite. Right. I thought that was yeah. sick. That but was yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah, he is an incredible vertical. He he's he's a freak athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for my second award, I have I have I have an award now for Damian Lillard. You know, if you go on Twitter, you always see that meme talking about from Damian Lillard rookie year until, like, Damian Lillard accolades to present day. And it's always, like, the same. He won Rookie of the Year. His all-star appearances, zero um, finals, zero MVPs, all that, yada, yada, yada. But guess what? He has something to add to his resume, and that's he's a three-point champion. But Damian Lillard, he put on the show on the all-star game, though, making those three. That was a deep half-court shot that he made. And I really feel like when it's all said and done, we're going to underappreciate Damian Lillard because he was basically outshined by Stephen Curry. <laughs> so my family got so tired because every time he made a three, I just pointed at my watch. Game time, you know? <laughs> and, and I thought it was funny. You know, I was trying to like make something fun during the All Star game. Yeah. No one in the house thought it was funny. I, th- I think it's a, an important to say, um, you know, thing to bring up too, Xavier. He has been overshadowed by Steph Curry his entire career. But we're also just, like, kind of overlooking how good of a season he's having. He's having one of his best years of his entire career. He's been so awesome, and I'm glad that he got a little bit of shine by winning the three-point contest because he deserves it. Yeah, I, I talked about that. Uh, statistically, you did, yeah. Statistically, yeah. this is his best season. He's been and awesome. Unfortunately, like, it's either he's going to be a, a play-in outing or he might not even make the, the uh, playoffs, and it's like, 
You want to be loyal that bad, bro? Like, really, another crucial team can pick you up. You're still in your prime. You're still playing really good. But you want to remain loyal to Portland. So, hey. Okay, into our last segment for the day. We're going to do – we're going to go over our power rankings that we talked about last week because it's something that we really missed and we really need to focus on this. So, if you remember last week, we all had the four same teams, right? But if you go back to our previous power rankings, we've always included Memphis, the Grizzlies, into our power rankings. And so, like, now we wanted to, to discuss what really changed our mind that now that the Grizzlies are not one of our top four teams. So, Matt, is there anything concerning now that the Grizzlies are capable of being in your top four, top four teams in your power rankings now? Yeah, I think it's super interesting. I just think that it's, it's not just us, by the way. There are a lot of people in the NBA media that are off of Memphis now because of the, you know, the rocky bit of January, end of December, whatever that they had. And I think it's fair, but yeah, it just jumped out to me. You know, I didn't realize it at the time or else I would have brought it up last week. But yeah, when I was looking back at it and I was editing the episode, I was like, wait a second, none of us had Memphis? Like, how long has it been since not, not one of us mentioned them? Like, it's usually, even if they, they don't make it in the overall top four, usually at least you will give them a shout out at, at number four. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, um, so, yeah, it was shocking to me. And as I said, yeah, like, I didn't have them in my rankings either, but I don't think it's totally fair to completely dismiss them. Um, so I, I wanted us to go over it and see where we really have Memphis right now. So I'm going to give you what I have as my top eight. I don't know how deep you guys went or what you guys did with your list, but I've got – a list in in a little bit of order of top eight, and then I kind of have two separate categories for, for them. So top to bottom, I have Boston, Denver, Milwaukee, Dallas. That was my four from last week. And then I still have to have Golden State in there because we've seen it before. Then I have Memphis, and then right below them, I have Phoenix and Philly. And when you look at that, it goes right back to what we were just talking about, about these teams at the deadline who added, who added guys. Um, Dallas, uh, Phoenix, they both have added – key pieces that are going to make or break their title odds. And we're going to have to see um, if they can come together and win it. Teams like Golden State, obviously, we've seen them do it before. Milwaukee, we've seen them do it before. Boston and Denver, we've seen them around the cup enough. We've seen what their ceiling are, and so I can convince myself of them. But Memphis, Phoenix, and Philly, uh, and, and Dallas too, really, we haven't seen it fully yet, um, especially the new iterations of these teams. Philly, I have a really hard time believing in at all because I think the top of the East is so much better. Um, the West is more wide open, but I just think Boston and Milwaukee are such a buzzsaw. Guys like James Harden, Doc Rivers, they scare me off uh, betting on them to win a title at all. So I think that that group of teams, Memphis, Phoenix, Philly, and Dallas to an extent as well with the addition of Kyrie, those are teams that we haven't seen do it before. and We, we really don't know what they're going to look like until playoff time. But yeah, right now I have, uh, Memphis as my sixth best team right now in terms of title contenders. It's pretty interesting. What do you have, Dave? Uh, you're, you're right, though. There has been some discussion from the national media. Uh, a, a lot of other teams they think got better, and 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 I mean, Bill Simmons called them, you know, the artist formerly known as Memphis in a, in a recent podcast. And it, it seems to be somewhat of a, an attitude going around that Memphis, because of the recent struggles, isn't a contender. I, I feel the top three were pretty solid, Boston, Milwaukee, Denver. And then I think the four through 10 are all sort of jumbled. You could say Memphis is the fourth best. You could 
you could convince me they're the 10th best. I don't think any lower than that, though. I, I, I think they're definitely in the top 10. Anything lower than that, you can get the, you know, the Miami, Sacramento, uh, New York Knicks. I, I, we're a better team than those teams. I had them at eight, uh, and I had them behind Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, Phoenix, four, Golden State, five, Philly, six, Cleveland, seven. I, I'm not with you, Matt, on, on the Mavericks. Uh, we'll see. I could be I could be wrong if they can kind of smooth things out. They certainly have a lot of talent. Uh, and I think we're a, 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 maybe a hitch above the Clippers. Um, although, I mean, they, 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 they're certainly going for it, right? They've been aggressive here. So I have them eight right now. I would go a top four, no lower than 10. Pretty, yeah, nice, interesting list. Eight for Dave. Okay, for me, I have Memphis at number five. From starting at my list, I got Boston, Milwaukee, Denver. And then you could put Golden State at the fourth spot because you just never know about Golden State. And at the end of the day, they have the championship DNA, and Curry comes back, it's a whole different ballgame. I still really have faith and belief that Memphis can be a title contender. Once we get Steven Adams healthy, hopefully this all-star break put everything in their head. Like, we can real deal. A lot of people are underestimating us now. Like, the West has shifted. Everything has changed. We're still a good team. It was at one point we was playing some of the best basketball of our lives ever, and we can get back to that. I really feel like that they're going to come out and make a swoop to finish this rest of the season. Now, from there, everything is just, you know, like jumbles. Uh, six, I got Philly. I really feel like Embiid, he's playing like an MVP, of course. He always is a runner-up, but I feel like he's, he gets his, he needs to really get his respect. And then, like, those additions of DeAnthony Melton. I mean, you got Tyrese Maxey coming off your bench now. That's pretty ridiculous. But I understand, though, like, like Doc Rivers can be easily outcoached. <laughs> and James Harden, he might not perform some of them nights. I haven't seen anything from Phoenix. And Phoenix got beat last year by the the, the Mavs. Like yeah. we thought, we thought that Phoenix was really that was their year. I know they got Kevin Durant, but I haven't seen Kevin Durant play with Book or CP3. And um, from there, I got the Clippers and then the Mavs. So it's interesting that yeah, the Grizzlies have have dropped from our top four, but at the same time, they're not like significantly far away and I, I really feel like it's going to dick these last 25 games are going to dictate and it's going to vary each week when we make those power rankings or where, where we place where we place them yeah I think four through ten is really up for debate but I just wanted to check in and make and see where we were all at with it because I think rightfully so we've all kind of dropped them down a little bit we need to see a little bit um some kind of improvement and a, a counterpunch kind of deal from them, especially coming out of this all-star break. I think they definitely shouldn't be counted out. And you talk about Phoenix, man, like, yeah, we haven't seen it yet. I've real concerns about their depth as well. Like they're really thin after you get past those top five, six dudes even. Um, so we'll see what they look like, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Memphis should not be discounted just because they had a tough stretch of nine to 10 games. Like I think they are still firmly a team that, you can see John Morant being the best player on a series against any of these teams. It's possible. And, and that sometimes is all it takes to win a playoff series. I wanted to ask you guys, uh, aside from the Grizzlies, what are the other teams that you like love watching around the league? Cause I really love watching Oklahoma city. I think they're a fun, a fun watch. And I, I kind of like the Brooklyn nets now. 
how about Bridges? What he dropped 40, 45 the other night, and Cam Donald. You know, they have some interesting young players. They got rid of all the drama. Are, what other teams you guys like? If it's you know, if they're on TNT or something, you love watching. Well, you know me. I've always been a Kings advocate from the get go. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always. In, I, I enjoy. Like, I even went to the Kings when they, when they played against the Kings. I like Malik Monk coming off the bench. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I I was early. I felt like earlier this season he could have been a six man of the year category, but there's a lot of people players now that's playing a lot better. But yeah, OKC, OKC is an unorthodox team, and I love it. It reminds me of sort of kind of like those old. Phoenix Suns days with Mike D'Antoni coaching them because they don't run a traditional big. They don't run a traditional big, right? And you got such a gifted score of Shea Gilgis Alexander, and you got a big time three point shooter of Isaiah Joe. I really wish the Grizzlies could have swooped them up once Philly weighed them, but I enjoy OKC. That's another team, and as well the Orlando Magic. Oh yeah, yeah. They, I, I. I feel like they're going to be a top, top defensive team later on in the in the heading t- towards the future because they have the length and those guys they play a lot of basketball and I don't know if you guys have been keeping up but they talk a lot of noise too. They talk a lot of talk. Markel Fultz is actually playing really great basketball now since he's healthy and he's a he's the perfect point guard for uh, Franz Wagner. Uh, Bancaro, Wendell Carter. It, they got some nice names over there. I, I enjoy watching the Magic. Yeah, the Magic were going to be my my answer. They're my favorite league pass team. I love what they do. Franz and uh, Paolo are a great combo out on the wing and, you know, could be something in the future that's super dangerous. I have some weird ones, too. Like, I love the, the Kings as well, uh, Xavier, especially in tight games at the end. They're so efficient in the clutch. De'Aaron Fox can take over a final five minutes as good as anybody in the league, and that's super fun to watch when they get in a good game. I also, for whatever reason, I love watching the Knicks. Uh, Jalen Brunson's been super fun. They're not the most, like, visually appealing team. They're pretty physical still. You know, it's the Tom Thibodeau thing of playing your starters a bunch, and I don't know what it is, but I find myself watching a lot of New York Knicks basketball as well, and then obviously, like, top teams. But, yeah, I would say Orlando is my favorite team that, like, doesn't win a whole lot. And I'll tell you another one that's actually sneaky fun as well. When Indiana has everybody, Indiana's yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, Hall- Halliburton's obviously a killer. They have so many guys who can shoot the three ball. And when they're hitting shots and they have all their guys healthy, they are a ton of fun to watch. You mentioned the Knicks, man. Like, uh, it, it could be either, like, really good or very painful. Because, yeah. man, yeah. When, when Julius Randle gets the bricking, and R.J. Barrett bricked so many shots. Like, R.J. Barrett averaged the most inefficient 20 points per game I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> I can't yeah. explain it. I can't explain it. I just love it. And very similar to the Kings, too. If they're in a tight ball game and, and the nights where Randall and Barrett are getting out of the way for Jalen Brunson, those are fun nights, though. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Brunson, is. I feel like he could have been an all-star this year. He's been yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Last on my list, the Chicago Bulls, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey! before we wrap up here, I actually we, – we've mentioned Stephen Adams' name a lot and coming back from injury uh, on the show today. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, Dave, first, like, does it kind of concern you how much they miss Stephen Adams? Like, I wouldn't have thought it would be this big a loss. It does concern me. In fact, what was it, J.J. Redick was uh, tweeting the other day, like, you know, someone was saying how the Grizzlies have kind of fallen apart since the Shannon Sharp incident. And, and it sort of is around the time Stephen Adams, you know, got hurt. And 
And he's like, well, maybe it has more to do with Adams. Yeah, it sort of does concern me yeah. a little bit. Um, you know, and I, and I'll do I'll do respect to Stephen Adams, but I I didn't I didn't view him as like the fulcrum of our like championship Same. you know yeah. window. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. What about you, Xavier? That's how I felt. I was like, I didn't know it was that important. I love him, but I didn't know that. Saw it happening once Adams was out. I'm like, oh crap, the rebounding numbers were going to drop significantly, and then we're getting out rebounding almost every single night because nobody on our team actually box out. They have ridiculous athleticism, and they try to out jump those guys. The the great rebounders know about positioning and putting themselves in the right spots to to get rebounds. And the Grizzlies players like John ja Morant, Jaron Jackson, and, and Clark. Yeah, they, they try to outsnag these guys. Like, you think Zebo was able to average a double-double each night by outsnagging guys? Like, no, he put that body on them. He put the, put his weight on those guys and boxed them out. And then as well, like, Steven Adams is such an efficient player with the split action and putting the ball in the high post and finding those guys open for cuts and, and setting them up for screens. And so I know offensively, Sometimes we're stagnant with Stephen Adams is there. So without him, I knew it was going to be a little worse. So I'm not surprised by this. I really thought during the trade deadline that they was going to make a move to get a center because we're getting out rebounded every single night because these guys, they don't box out. They have to box out. And one thing about the Warriors, Kevon Looney, he is such an ultimate glue guy because he does not do his he, his 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 numbers aren't eye popping, but he rebounds the ball and he's going to make his presence known. And we go back and look at that game six in the, in the playoffs last year. He had almost twenty rebounds that game. Stephen Adams didn't play. If he if you had Stephen Adams out there to at least control him, I don't think he gets twenty rebounds. But at the same time, Stephen Adams shouldn't be that ultimate guy for you to to win the game, to dictate the game and win the game. Like, Jaron, you have to put a body on this guy and box him out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Yeah, Jaron needs to step it up for sure. And Steven Adams may already earn that extension just by not playing. It's showing how valuable he is. It's crazy. Well, do we know when he's coming back? When, when is his first game back? Is it set yet? They haven't They haven't truly announced it. Um, it's, it's around the time frame of three to five weeks. I think it's heading on week five this week, so he should be back either this week or next week. I'm hoping he's back this week because you got two bigs, two big bigs yeah. back-to-back from Jokic to Embiid. But I'm really on the page now. Like, if Jared Jackson is truly your depoy, you put that depoy on the best player. That's how I've always viewed things. Like, I feel like you shouldn't be hiding your best defensive player. You put your depoy on that best player, especially since Jokic is a big, Jaron is a big, Embiid is a big, Jaron is a big. You put him on there. I understand Jaron fouls a lot, but you make him. You, you try to make things as difficult as possible for for that uh, opposing player. I have to say, I'm like oddly nervous about the next week of basketball. It's a big national TV game Thursday night in Philly. It just feels like a big game coming out of the break, and and then Denver on Saturday and the Lakers. Like they, these are big. These are big games that are going to set the tone. And if we record next week and we go 0 for 3, it's going to feel, I think, like a heavier 0 for 3 than, than in some cases. Is that fair, guys? I mean, it just seems like these are these are important games coming up. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I at least expect winning two out of the, out of the three, um, especially the first one. I want them to beat Philly. 
and Philly is very susceptible of being beaten. You got a guy of Doc Rivers that can be out coached. You can out coach Doc Rivers easily. And then um, James Harden, I don't know if he's been actually, has he been in Houston uh, at the clubs or has he <laughs> been working out? So you might be able to sneak a win against Philly. But Denver, I'm pretty sure they're still going to be coming out strong. They're trying to make the statement of being the number one team and the best team. And I think with the Grizzlies, they want their revenge back against the Lakers. Shannon Sharp, come to Memphis, man. Come to Memphis. Stop being stop being scared and staying on the West Coast. Come down here to Memphis, Tennessee. If you're really truly a Lakers supporter, you want to just or you just want to ride LeBron. Come to Memphis if you're such a Lakers supporter. I'll be shocked if you don't get that wish. I I, I honest to God think he he is going to be sitting right next to Team Morant. I, I I think it's going to happen for sure. And I think uh, you go back to – you said the Philly game, they could sneak one. The thing that's killed Philly all year is pace as well, which is a Grizzly specialty. So if they can get out and run, they may be able to get uh, a win out, out of those guys for sure. But I think, I think yeah, two out of three would be ideal for sure. But, yeah, if you can't beat any of those three teams, it's a tough start coming out of the All-Star game. We just said how, how important it is to start coming out of it, so. All right, guys, this is going to wrap today's show. I appreciate everybody checking us out. Okay, Matt, tell the people where they can find you on your socials, man. Yeah, check me out on Twitter, at Matt H. Gill. Check out GBB uh, as well for the time being. We're going to closely uh we're getting close to making the switch over uh you can check out you can find the news on all that where we're going to be uh moving here very shortly but yeah check me out on my personal at matt h kill yeah and then you can find us the whole podcast at the core four podcast on twitter and then they where, where can they find you on socials from twitter and different other social media websites I only have, yeah, I only have Twitter, so you can follow me at, at DLB19338, and I was excited to record with you guys today, because it was the All-Star break edition, and we can kind of take a step back and look at the league, and we didn't have specific Grizzlies games to discuss, so it was sort of fun to kind of pull back a little bit and, you know, put our arms around the season, so I really enjoyed being here. Yeah, and then you can find me on Twitter at underscore, at, no, at Zaytan Takes. And then you can find me on my TikTok at underscore XZAY for more basketball analysis. Stolen by Marin. Hammer. Nail. Coffin. This baby is over. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.